0: The Kutta Siches Chaylik Lamed Dalid, Shaeftim Gimel. This is Simon Beyes, the second Sicha in the Kuntris Dvar Malchus. Chidushimu Beyurim Behilchis Melochim. And this Sicha is, in a way, a continuation to the previous Sicha, which we learned in the last two weeks on Paylik Yud Aleph and on the fact that the Rambam in Pedi Gedalef is coming to teach us the Halachic Geder, the Halachic definition and role of Mashiach, that it's not just a geula, but it is also restoring Malchus based David, and it is also um, bringing back Teiru Mitzvahs, the fulfillment of tater Mitzvahs to their most complete form, which is only possible once Mashiach brings back Klal Yisrael from Galus to Eretz Israel and, and builds the of which then we will be able to fulfill all of the mitzvahs of the Torah. And the Rambam therefore says that if someone does not believe in Mashiach, then he is a kaifer, he is denying the words of Torah and the words of Meshe Rabbeinu. In other words, one uh, part of the Halacha that the Ramam is teaching us in this Padek is the role of Mashiach, as well as the halacha, that if a person doesn't believe in Mashiach and these aspects of Mashiach, then he's a kaifer in Teira and in Meishet He He's denying the truth of Teira and Meishet Rabbeinu because these, th- this information is given to us in the Tayra. And the Ramam brings two rayas, one from Beshav Hashem alakecha, in Parsha's Nitzavim, where it says the Ebeshe is going to bring back the ingathering of the Goliaths, of the exiles. And then he brings another proof in Parashas Bilam, where there is a nevuah with regards to David and Mashiach. And the Ramam elaborates on the psukim there, how each of the psukim refers is a prophecy to David HaMelech and to Melech HaMashiach. Then the Ramam brings a third rayah in the next Allah, Halacha, halacha base from Ari Miklot, where the Taylor says that the Abyss is going to expand the borders. And then you're going to have to add three more Arei three more cities of refuge. And since this has not yet happened, it must be that it's going to happen when Mashiach comes. And this is another proof to the fact that, that the Geula is in the Torah, in the mitzvah of Arei Miklot. And this Sicha is going to discuss specifically the raya, the proof from Arei miklat. why is it necessary and what does it add to the uh, previous two rayas, that uh that the ramam needed to add it on as a third raya as a third proof what was lacking before it that gets filled that gets realized by understanding that the geula is foretold in the mitzvah of Miklat. that's the topic of the sicha of today the Ramam writes HaMashiach is going to stand up and restore the kingdom of the dynasty of David Amalek to its origins. Anyone who does not believe in him, in Mashiach, or someone who does not await his coming, not only is he denying in the words of the later Navim, many of which speak of the Geula and Mashiach he's denying the truth of teira itself, and teira meaning the Hamisha and Meisher Sharia because the teira itself tells us for foretells us testifies about Mashiach and about the Geulah. will return your captives. And He will have mercy upon you, and He will bring, and He will gather you. Even if you are dispersed, it will be as far as the ends of the heavens. The Abishur is going to get you. and He's going to bring you to Eretz Yisrael. And the Ramam says, continues. These words are written explicitly in Teira. They are inclusive of all of the following words that will be said by the Neviim, by the prophets. And then the Ramam continues, Parsha's Bilam It's also spoken about in Parsha's Bilam Visham over there. He prophesizes about two anointed kings, David Khulu, the first anointed king, namely David Hamelech, and the final anointed king, who is going to rise up from the descendants of David HaMelech, Chulu, or maybe come a psukim in Parashas Bilam, and farsham al David v'malacha Mashiach, and then the Rambam goes on to bring a number of psukim from Parashas Bilam and explain how they refer to David and to Mashiach. U ba halacha <laughs> shel that in the next halacha halacha base of Peirik Yudalef. Mamsicha Rambam, the Rambam continues. Al ba Ore Miklatu Omer, also by Ore Miklat that says. We will expand your borders. You will then add on another three cities. This has not yet occurred. And certainly the avister would not give a command for naught. And therefore it must mean that the time is yet to come when the borders will be expanded and then we will have the mitzvah of adding on these three cities in This is all, these three things are all in Torah, in the Hamisha Chumashay Torah. But in the word from, from Nevi'im, we don't have to bring proofs, because all of the Svarim of the Nevi'im are filled with prophecies about the Geula and the coming of Mashiach. This is the Rambam in the first two halaches, at least uh, in a concise version, of the first two halaches of Perek Yudalev. We have Shla'ayin, and we should, it is. Necessary here to look into it a little bit more deeply. What is lacking in the first two proofs? From the Pasik Veshov, which is in Parashat Nitzavim. Now the Ramam feels it the necessity to add on another Rayef Mari Miklot. What's wrong? What's missing? What is lacking in the first two proofs? That the Ramam feels it necessary to bring a third proof. And the next two paragraphs is going to explain why the first two proofs are necessary. The proof of of Bilam, is because there it talks about Mashiach, not just about the Geula. And the proof from Veshav HaShem is necessary because there it is written explicitly and not written as a hint or as a metaphor. The necessity for the first two dais is understood. The Rambam's intention here, in these halachas, is to believe not just in the Geula, but in Melech in a person. In addition to the obligation to believe in the general idea of a redemption, that the Abishter is going to redeem the Eden in whatever way it will be. We have an obligation to believe in the King Mashiach. With the various details of who he is and what his qualities are as they are uh, itemized in this Tadic. And the Ramam specifies: If someone who does not believe in him, it doesn't just say in it. But in him, because the Ramamir is coming to teach us not just about the, the not just the, the, the obligation to believe in a ge'ula, but the obligation to believe in Mashiach. This is not written clearly in the Pasik where it says Hashem will return your captives. bring you. So it doesn't say clearly Mashiach. It says Hashem will do it. In Parashas bilam, where the Navu is about the two anointed kings, David Umelach, um, Mashiach. Over there, it's about the person, the Mashiach, who's going to bring the gula. Umitamza maybe Gamarika Saraya. Therefore, the Rambam also brings the, the full lengthiness of the proof. Psukim and with a number of psukim that speak about them. Psukim Nirmazim Gamprati Because in these psukim are hinted the various different details and qualities of Mashiach, which we are obligated to believe in, as was explained elsewhere, elsewhere being the Sicha that we learned last week and the week before, where the second part, the the final part of the Sicha goes through the Tsukim and explains how they are addressing three or four details in what Mashiach is going to accomplish. In who Mashiach is and what he's going to accomplish, so therefore, the, since the Ramam is talking about Mashiach, the Rama brings the Nevuah of Parshas Bilam because over there it speaks about Mashiach himself with many details. Uli Idah conversely, Baraya Parshas he does not suffice with the Raya from Parshas Bilam. Le Zeis, more so, sheviyah rakit He brought it the Parshas Bilam. He brings as the second proof. Ki, because. The Ramam's purpose here is not just to bring proofs from the written Torah on the fact that Mashiach is coming. The Ramam is coming to prove that if someone does not believe in Mashiach, he is denying the truth of Torah and Mashiach Because it's written in the Torah. Torah testifies. This testimony, this fact that the Torah speaks about it, cannot just be based on the way Torah translates the psukim. Which in truth, the Rambam says in el Shuvah, that even someone who denies the commentary, the Teir al explanation of Teir Iksav, is also considered a koifer. Someone who's denying in the truth of Teir, a heretic. But the Rambam over here wants to say that it's not just a testimony that is understood based on Tera Shabbal interpretation of the psukim Ella elu hadvarim amafurashim betera. The Rambam says that these things are written explicitly in the Tera. The nevois bilam nemra bederek marshul bechida. The nevois that are brought in parshas bilam are only said as a Mashal, as a metaphor, as a parable. You can't refer to that as being written explicitly in Tera, and therefore that raya is insufficient. To bring up the point that the, that Mashiach is so clear in the Torah that if you don't believe in it, you are considered a kaifer b'toyd of Meishir Abenu. You could say one second the words in, in Bilam. It's just a nevuah. It's written cryptically. I don't know for sure uh, necessarily what it means. But in the first passage that the Raman brings, which is on Parsha's Nitzavim, where it says, Vishav Hashem, Olakech HaShavuzcha, Vayviyach Hashem etc., etc., there it's written very clearly and explicitly about the redemption and about the engathering of the exiles, and therefore, that raya is also necessary. So now I understand that. For raya Vishav Hashem, Olakech is for its clarity, it's for its explicitness. And the raya of Parshish Bilam is for the fact that it speaks about Mashiach, not just about the gula. So now we have to go back to our, our original question. What is added? Uh, what, is give, what, what extra do we understand? What, are, what is added with the raya, the proof from Ari Miklat? And the Ari brings, you can't say that the Ramam is bringing all the proofs in Ari Shaviksav. Because first of all, the Ramam is a Sefer al And once the Ramam has sufficiently proven his point, he does not need to just list all the dayas that, that exist. And number two, there are certainly other places in Torah, Shabik Sav, that, that, that reference or, or uh, speak about the Geula. So the fact that the Ramam chooses Miklat is because the Miklat specifically is telling me something. And the question is, what is Miklat telling me that I don't already know from the previous two days? We also have to ask the question, which is the same question that was asked also in the previous Sikha. why does the Rambam write this in the separate halacha, he should have included it in the previous halacha, together with the other two rayas that were brought. In other words, since that halacha is discussing this idea, and brings already two proofs for it, why shouldn't the third proof be in the same halacha? Base. In Steve Peitz is going to give us the, the the crux of the answer. He's going to explain that Ore Miklat is a mitzvah, and by connecting the Geulah as a necessary component in a mitzvah, it transforms the level of eternity and the level of truth that this Haftacha, that this promise contains. V'nida lemar. And this raya, this proof, there is a major chiddush. There's a major int- a major novelty, a major introduction—not introduction—a major something being introduced with legabe bezayisarishenes, with compared to the first two proofs. From the fact that the Torah says. If you will, when if Hashem will expand your borders, then you should add three cities. In the times of Mashiach, you have to add uh, more cities of refuge. More, as the Ramam says in Hilchis Ve'Se'ach. In the times of Mashiach. You have to add three more cities in addition to the previous six. Now, the coming of Mashiach becomes a necessary condition, a component in a mitzvah in Teireh. Kalei mar. Afal pi she'inien ha-ge'ula ha-asidah Even though the ge'ula ha-asidah is written in Teireh. Ve'arambam ha-pereh shomishna yizmono ha-emun ha-bazeh benikri v'yaseh dihaterin rambam lists the Amunah in the Ge'ula as a fundamental part of Te'ra. It's not yet a part of a mitzvah of Te'ra. We don't find anywhere a command in the Te'ra that we have to believe in the Ge'ula. It's just that since it's written in the Te'ra about it, if someone doesn't believe in it, so he's denying Te'ra. But, but, but there's no mitzvah to believe in the Gula. There's a, a there's a problem to not believe in it. But there's no mitzvah to believe in it. But once Hashem gives us this mitzvah to add three are miklot when Mashiach comes, the Gula now becomes an, a component of a mitzvah in now that it became part of a mitzvah of today, yes bigam now it carries the same intensity as a mitzvah it's very clear and written in the te- and explicit in the tea. She mitzvah medas lailamal mi lama. It is a mitzvah that stands forever and ever. And lo she it doesn't change. Legira invalidasis, you can't add onto it and you can't detract from it. She mitzvah Ram says she mitzvah medis laad. is an it is a mitzvah that stands forever. Pirushat tsivuya teirah. The Ram is referring to the commandments of the Tirah. Who can Shaktivriya Ram has Ram himself? continues over there so kalduriya taita metsuvin onola says nothing on the words of the taita we are commanded to do them forever so this is a proof that we're t- he's talking about mitzvah we gain kos from gambil khismillah and this also the ramam writes in khismillah in in Halacha gimel, the In the in the context of where he's speaking about Mashiach, he says and The most important rule is as follows: Its laws and its statutes again is forever and ever and You're not allowed to add on to them, and you're not allowed to detract from them. And then the Rabbim says Someone who adds or detracts. From the mitzvahs, or he misinterpreted something in Tera. And here is a very important line: the keep and changes the meaning of the, uh, the simple meaning of the mitzvah. He is certainly a liar, a rasha, and a heretic. He brings in the hora that there's other prints of the Rambam where it says Hariza Bivadai rasha. And uh I think the print I was using last week actually writ wrote it that way as well. But both in the Sikha we learned last week and in the Sikha we learned this week, and it's this this line will be brought up a few times, he quotes it in the following way Vadai Badai or Badoi Virasha V Apikatus. So we see that the Ram says in Hil Sidia he says, mitzvah madas, lailamalam. He, then he says, "Divrei Atira Mitzvina No Laaseh Snad Elam." Then the Nilchesh uh, Melech uh, Hamashiach the says, "Chukel Mispateh La Elam Mil Elam Elamim." B'chalamayseve Gerde Avahitzi Advarim Shall Mitzvus Kipshutam is not picatus. So Mitzvus have a certain sense of uh, of permanent permanence and eternity that. That is unique to a mitzvah. And now that the geula becomes a component of the mitzvah of aray so just like the mitzvah of our miklot is forever, it, because and it can't be changed. So too, there could be nothing to be, nothing changed in this promise of the geula, because we need it to be able to fulfill that mitzvah, and that mitzvah doesn't change. This also explains the uh, uh, it helps us understand where the way the, the way that Rama specifies that the Hashem did not command anything for, for naught. The That is emphasizing the Kibun says that Indian shell because this is an union of a command that the Yeshua gave. This makes it. Uh, 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 um, this 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 forces it to be unchanging. Because a command that the gives is not is not for nothing. It has to it has to remain and it has to be unchanging. So this is the nekudas answer. This is the the, the the answer in its nutshell. The the, the the idea is is that the Rambam is bringing the Raya of Arimiklat in order to strengthen. The the, the the permanence and eternity of the promise of the ge'ula, that it's not just something that Hashem said is going to happen, but it's something that is part of a mitzvah, and the mitzvah is the most eternal thing that exists in Torah, and now the ge'ula has that same level of, of permanence and eternity. L'yaser See if Gimel is going to explain this uh, uh, even more, and he's going to b- b- bring out the point that when it comes to promises that, that are made in the Torah, promises can be changed. Hashem said it makes a promise; it can be changed. But when Hashem uh, 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 gives a mitzvah, that mitzvah doesn't change. That, that 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 is incapable of change. It's beyond change. In other words, a promise, even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't actually change, it's capable of change. And a mitzvah is incapable of change. That's what he's going to explain in Sifkim Uli Yaser And this is going to take this mitzvah, this idea of Oremikla to the next level. With regards to promises that the Abishter made, through a Novi, there are certain situations in which it's possible that a change should occur. K'moi, for example. If a Novi says over, gives over, um, negative consequences. It's possible it's going to be rescinded because the Abister takes him long to become angry, or the abister is very kind and therefore he doesn't he, he doesn't actually punish. Or it's possible that the Yidden will do tshuva and they will be forgiven. Similarly, with regards to a promise that the abister makes for the good. So the Rambam says, in Atayra, that a promise that the Eibishter gives for the good that was conveyed publicly to the Yidden, that the Eibishter won't take back. But a promise that the Eibishter makes for the good that he only gave over to a Navi, he only conveyed it to the Navi, but the Navi had not yet related to the Yidden. then if the, if the Yidin don't deserve it, Hashem could rescind that promise. So he says it like this. A promise that the Abister makes for the good. If it was only between Hashem and the Navi, it's possible that it won't be fulfilled if sin gets involved. If the Hidden sinned along the way, then it's possible that the Abister will not uh, fulfill that promise for the good. Because the Yidden don't know about it yet, and only the Navi knows about it, and the Yidden don't deserve it. So, from the fact that a haftacha, that a promise of Hashem, is capable of not coming to fruition, or capable of being changed, it's understood. That even in a case where we know for certain that the promise will be fulfilled, for example, what the Ramam writes, that anything good that the Amistar promises, even if it was promised with a condition, Hashem will not rescind that promise if it was given over publicly to the Yidden. As the Rammam explains the pidush Mishnayis, that when Hashem is going to tell the Navi to convey to the Yidden the promise, of something good that's going to happen, it must come to fruition, and it's impossible, for it to be changed because of the sin, so there is a situation, where the Abishar makes a promise, and the Abishar says, it's not going to change it, because he already gave it, gave it over to the Yidden, but because we know that promises are capable of change, from this we understand that even when a promise doesn't get changed, it's not because a promise that was conveyed via a Navi is incapable of change. It's only that the hamster practically, realistically doesn't make the change. They're capable of change because of the Aibistar is capable of change. There are certain promises that Abistar won't change, but they're capable of change. <inaudible> Some the Dammam explains. This has to be this way, uh, for a for a, a, a logistical reason. We have to know if the Navi is a true Navi. The Damam says that how do we know if a Navi is a real Navi? If he foretells the future, he says that something's going to happen, and it happens. Now if the Abister makes a promise and something good is going to happen and the Abister takes back the promise, we don't know if it was that the sin caused the Abister to rescind this promise or maybe the Navi is not a real Navi, maybe he's a Navi Sheker, it's a false prophet. So therefore the Abister says I'm not changing this promise, that way if it doesn't happen you know that it's a, he's a Navi Sheker. Because if he's a real Navi, then, then, then the, the, the Abishar actually made this promise, even if G-d once it was told over to the Yidden, Hashem doesn't take back the promise. But what we understand from this is that it's for almost a, a, a ulterior reason that Hashem doesn't take back the promise. Which means a promise of Hashem is capable of change. It's just that there are certain promises that Abishar doesn't actually change. When we talk about the eternity of Teireh, that it stands forever and ever, it's beyond the possibility of change. It's incapable of change. Just like the Eibishter doesn't change. The Eibishter is incapable, impossible of change. So when it comes to the Eibishter's Tera, which is the Eibishter's wisdom and will, it's not even in the possibility of change. So you have two types of things in Torah. You have the Haftachis of Torah, the promises of Torah, which are inherently capable of change. Whether they do change or not, they are capable of change. And then you have the Mitzvahs of Torah that are part of the Nitzchis of Torah, of Aniyah, violation Nisi, that are incapable of change. So now we can apply this with regards to the promise of the gula, The Av that even though it's a good promise and that which the that like we said before from is, that which the abister conveyed to the navi something good to be given over to be conveyed to the den he see his it's impossible that it it's not going to be changed because of sin kiis like you mentioned in the previous paragraphs the Ayzah is additionally Didan in this case, with regards to the Gaula, it is impossible that there'll be a situation of the cause of sin. <laughs> the Rama himself says, <laughs> "The Tera already promised. says <laughs> in the end the Yidden are going to do tshuva. the end of and immediately they will be redeemed. <laughs> you will return to Hashem, and then Hashem will return you. <laughs> this itself was part of the promise. So will do the Yidden will do tshuva, and there won't be a situation of sin." So even though we know for sure that the goal is going to happen because it's a positive promise, that, can't be, that Hashem says he won't take back, and even if the, he, he would take it back, in this case, there's not, there's not going to be hate, and therefore there's no reason for Hashem to take it back. call Mokim, nevertheless, Havadot the certainty of it, if you're going to rely on the on the fact that there's a havtacha, then the certainty of the gurula only goes as far as the classification of nevuah. That Navua is that, that, that nevuah is a prophecy which David says is going to happen, and therefore I know that this is going to happen. But it doesn't have that same level of intensity of of of, of, of certainty. I'm sorry of nitzchis But once you uh, uh, once you make the t- the mitzvah the geula a part of a mitzvah of teda, chalale falls under the category of the eternity and permanence of teda. nitzchis It is an eternity that is incapable of being rescinded of being changed and therefore it's on a whole nother level so that's what the Rambam is trying to accomplish with the Ra'yef of Marimiklat which we're going to uh, 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 bring uh, 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 the Rambam the in the Sikha is going to conclude with miklat in a few oiseos but this is, the, this is the direction that we're headed that that there is a whole nother level of, of truthfulness of authenticity of eternity uh, 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 about this um I have talked about this promise of the Geula when you make it a component of a mitzvah because a mitzvah is part of it's not capable of any change, etc. So, in Sif Dalid, he's going to ask, The eternity of Teda should be applicable to all parts of Teda. What is unique about the mitzvah of Teda? Why is a mitzvah of Teda more eternal than something else written in the (laughs) Hamish Chum Shei Elashlach Makulasil because it's lots of questions. The rule of Nitshi Satara, the rule of the eternity of Tedah is applicable to all parts of Teda. Especially with the five books of, of five Chumashim, Which the says that they will not be bottled, they will not be uh uh, uh rescinded forever. The word here doesn't really mean rescinded. They will they, they will uh, be forever. Shakola nich the potato mesh potato smesha nitchivimlom that everything that is written in the Potasmesha is eternal and will remain forever. Vim Kane, Kivan Shafta Sakos Baruchala Gul, we fudes potato Smesha since the promise of Hashem. With regards to the geula, is written clearly in the Tedas mei'shek. a It already falls under the category of the eternity of Tedas mei'shek. Umadi sheep. What is added on to the, to the eternity of the geula, the the promise of the geula, by the fact that it's not just in the chumish, but it's also a, a part of a mitzvah. a mitzvah. We're going to answer the question with, with, by saying that there is a major difference between the eternity of the mitzvahs of Teire and the eternity of the rest of Teire, the other parts of Teda In the other parts of teda, in other parts of Teire, in other parts of it's possible that the eternity of the, their eternity will be realized, not in the literal sense, but in the spiritual sense. Similar to, to, to parts of history or stories that are that are written in that the eternity that they have is within the stories and the, is within the messages and the wisdom that is gleaned from them. Not in the actual stories because they're stories that happened in the past. So there's parts of Teda, a story of Abraham Avinu, it, 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 the, the, the story itself is not eternal. The story itself happened one time in the past. The message of the story, the lesson from the story, that is forever. So there's a, the Nitzchis of Teda sometimes is not in the literal sense, but it's in the Ruhnistic sense. says, mitzvah, the fact that a is a mitzvah that is forever. When it comes to a mitzvah, a mitzvah has to be done in a certain way. Practically. L- literally. That is unchanging. So uh, other parts of terah, it's it's eternal, but it could be eternal in various different ways. Um in Art of 34 he references the where over there there is an Ariches in the various different levels of nitzchiyas, of eternity. Within something that's eternal, that's forever, there's also levels. So you have certain things that, that, that their message is forever. When it comes to mitzvahs, the mitzvahs they are literally forever. The actual practical application and implementation of the mitzvah is forever unchanged. We can actually see this in the wording of the Rambam. He says, If someone changes something in Torah, and and, and, and changes the literal understanding of a mitzvah, the the literal uh, uh, meaning of a mitzvah, that makes him an, a bad day rasa and an apikatus. Only when he says on the mitzvah of the taylor that they are not literal. Yes, he goes into this category. Because then he is denying the foundation of the eternity of taylor. But if he's going to change the meaning, of any of the other psukim, of he may not fall under the category of a kaifer or an because other parts of Teda are meant to be understood in the, in the non literal sense. So just like in the stories of Teda, that certain parts of the stories of Teda may not be literal uh, 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 in, their, in their in their eternity, they may be on more non literal so too, with regards to the promises of the abster places in the teta that are written in the teta sekiuman bepoil their uh, fruition in actuality totally beufen aftacha we fiat neuem bu darum so pisu is dependent on the various different situations or conditions that Chazal explained. So if a rule, if a promise was written in Torah without specific conditions, and later the the, the Chachamim come and add conditions to it, It's not certain that it will be fulfilled literally the way it is in the Torah. Because the Chachamum explained that there are certain conditions that are necessary to it. So again, there's a possibility of a promise that's written in the Torah that we won't actually see its fruition. Because the Chachamum came and said, there needs to be certain conditions for its fulfillment. And the conditions didn't happen. And we're going to bring an example here. Where we see it in Torah that the rule that Hashem's promise may possibly not be fulfilled because of the causation of sin is also applicable to promises made in Tera there's a b'raise in the Gemara and brachas. on the posse, in the Shira in it says, "Until your nation, Hashem, will pass; until until this nation that you have acquired will pass." So Rashi brings from the B'raise, "Ad amcha Hashem The first time it says "Ad Yavir, refers to the first time the Yidden came in terech Israel. So Laretz when they came to Terez Israel with Yeshua. Ad Yaver, Amzukani the second time it says Ad Yaver, Zubi Ashniyah. This refers to the second coming. Kishalu Migalus Bavel, Bimeyazra, when the Yidden came up to Eretz Yisrael from Galus Bavel in the times of Ezra. Mikan Omruchachamim, and from this the Chachamim say, Leu Yomay Yisrael LeYasish Lemnes Bimeyazra, that just like in the times Kederech Nasalem Neve Bimeyay Yeshua Binun. Now, just like in the times of the Yeshua, there are major nisim that happened upon entry into Eretz Israel. So too, the Yidden were could have received the same nisim when they went in in the times of Ezra. But because of the chet, because of the sin that happened along the way, they didn't experience the same nisim, the same miracles. Since this promise of Amzukanisa the second was written in before the went in the second time, it cannot, it cannot be changed. There's no change, there's no addition, there's no detraction from Teresh. How could you say that a change should happen to this promise? and it won't come to fruition, or for whatever reason it might be, therefore you must say, this idea that Teda is eternal, cannot be applied in all cases to understanding the Psukim, whether it means literally or spiritually, whether it means in any case or under certain circumstances. We, we see that the Ebishta said, It didn't actually happen. So we see here clearly in Taylor Shabiq a promise was made, and it didn't come to fruition, because the Nitzqiyasat Taylor does not reach the understanding of the Psukim in their literal sense that it's going to happen regardless of what situation comes up. So we see say, in the stories of Taylor that the stories of Taylor could be non literal. The, the, their eternity could be applied in, a, in, in the non literal understanding of the story, and the same thing is with the promises that are made in the Torah, that they could be understood, they could be explained by the by, by Chazal in various different ways, and their eternity does not apply to the basic pasuk; it applies to the way the Chachamim explain the pasuk. And that's the chiddush. So our question in the beginning of the sif was, what is the advantage of it being part of a mitzvah? And the explanation is because when it comes to other parts of Torah, their eternity, their permanence, their foreverness may not be uh, understood literally. But when it comes, but when it comes to our our topic, the topic of the geula, there's, there's a big chiddush. Now that the promise of the Gula became part of the mitzvah of arimiklot, <laughs> now it falls under the category of the eternity of mitzvahs of asher, which in both details is very relevant. Number one, unlike the stories of Tayra, the mitzvahs of Teirah have to be fulfilled literally and in actuality, and unlike the promises of Torah, nothing could be changed, because it has to be understood exactly as it says it in Torah. So that's the difference, that's the answer to the question, why is it necessary for it to be part of a mitzvah, because other parts of Torah, even though they're nitzchi, but they could be understood in different ways, and they are capable of change. And a mitzvah of Tera has to be understood literally, practically, and it is not possible to be changed. And that takes the the Avtacha of the Geula to another level. That it's not just like the stories of Tera, it's not just like the promises of Tera, but it's like the mitzvahs of Tera. And now we can understand why the Rambam adds... The raya for Melech Hamashiach Meha Sha'av Bari Miklat Do Emir Miarchev Yosavta Ume'elam Le'yaya Davar Zev Le'tzivakarz Baruch Hu L'Tayu. And the fact that the Eibusher made a, gave us a mitzvah to add cities by Arimiklat and has not yet happened, then certainly the Eibusher did not give a mitzvah that cannot be fulfilled. The in this, in this uh, third raya, the raya of Arimiklat is not here just to bring another proof that. Melech Mashiach and the Ge'ula are written in boy. The Hidramam is adding another level of severity with regards to someone who does not believe in Mashiach. In addition to the fact that he is a Koyfer, he's a heretic, he's denying the truth. Of the Torah and Meishar ibn Shah he because the Torah is the one who testifies with regards to the coming of Mashiach, which that we already know from the previous two days. But here, there's another level of severity. How do you gam He's detracting. From one of the mitzvahs of Taylor. <laughs> because if he doesn't believe in Mashiach, it means that he feels, he holds, that this detail of the mitzvah of Arim will never come to fruition. <laughs> and if a person detracts from a mitzvah, then he goes in the category what the Ramam says in the next halacha. The Ram says in the halacha gimel that if someone changes anything the in the Taylor, then he is—he's a bad of apikares. So now the Rambam is telling us that if someone is is not do, doesn't believe in Mashiach, then not only is he denying Torah, he is also being geireia. and this is another level of bad deiras of apikares. And this also explains why the Ramah writes this in a separate halachah. Because <speaking> in the first two halachas, in the first two rayas, in the first halachah, the Ramah is bringing the proof that someone doesn't believe in Mashiach is is, is denying the truth of Tadam. Because the, the very idea exists in Tadam. And the ray of our it is bringing an additional severity. that he's detracting from a mitzvah in satira. The question is, what's the difference between being kafir b'tayirov meishir abenu and being g'day mitzvah In other words, what is what is the, this extra severity? If a person you're saying a person doesn't believe in Hashem, he's a kafir b'tayirov meishir abenu. What's the next level? Of where is there a a a, a halachic relevance between these two? And this is what he's going to ask right here. If a person's already a kaifer in taydo and in Moshe Rabbeinu, what extra, what worse, how much worse is it becoming when he uh, detracts from a mitzvah in taydo? But based on what we explained earlier in the sicha, with regards to the to the uh, uh, Haftachis of Torah not necessarily coming to fruition because of of various situations. And the fact that certain parts of Nitzchies HaTorah are are not literal, but they are more spiritual. Based on this idea, there's going to be a halachic relevance between someone who's just a kaifer bi of Meshira Baynu, and someone who is much worse because he's gayreya bi mitzvah he's detracting from one of the mitzvahs of tair. Who bahakt him? Let's first introduce beer Dinay Shallah Aymer, Shaini bi gullah asidah lavai. What would be the deen of someone who says he does not believe in the gullah asidah? because he holds, even though we were promised, and that he accepts, wholeheartedly, nevertheless he claims, that there's a change that happens, this promise was rescinded, for example, there was too much sin, you can't, call this person someone who's being kaifer, because of the fact that the Torah speaks about the Geula. Which as we said in the beginning of the Sikha, this means that he's being kaifer. The said the words, that the idea of the Ramam is that someone who denies the Geula is denying something that's written explicitly in the Torah. But over here, if someone says, I believe in the promise of the Geula, but I think that the promise was changed because they didn't sin, so it's questionable whether you could refer to him as a kaifer Because <speaking in foreign language> he's not denying in what it says in the Tera. <speaking in foreign language> it's just that he holds that even this promise is capable of regret. <speaking in foreign language> we could debate whether he as a din of koefer in which in Tere it brings many more... Um, many more uh, 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 details with regards to the Gula, not just this Haftacha, as it says. So it's possible that that he could be a Koefer, but in Teir Sav, it's hard to call him a kaifer because he's accepting what it says in Teir Shebik and then he just says that, that that it was changed later. So, when you, it, therefore, if you're coming from the perspective of the Haftacha, HaTzaira, the words of Teirah, the Nitzris of Teirah, it's Shaykh that a person could not believe in the Geula and still not be a Kofi. But once the Gula becomes a detail and a component in the Mitzvah of tera, which the Mitzvah Zav like we said numerous times already, is something that is forever. Which that compels us to say that it's impossible that there's going to be a change in the promise of the Gula. So if somebody... Says anything contrary to that, yes, He he has the category, he has the halachic classification of a keifer in tayra. Even though he accepts that the mitzvah to add cities. Uh, to Arimigra came from the tern. But if he doesn't believe in the geula, and therefore he says that this detail of the mitzvah cannot be fulfilled, he's saying that this part of Tayra is non existent. He's a for in Tayra because a mitzvah has to be forever. And to say that I can't do this mitzvah anymore makes him a kafir. So you see here on Afkamina a difference in Halacha. With me, different than a kaifer and a Because a chayaf after a person could say, I believe in the promises of tayra, but I think that the promises were changed, and that he does not necessarily have the, the, the that goes into the category of a kaifer. But if he's gireya mimitsasa then he becomes a kaifer for that reason. Even though he, he says, I believe it comes from Hashem, but I think that something changed along the way, then as a gireya mimitsasa tayra, this makes him a kaifer. And the truth is, we can we can even include another difference, another relevance, between the Kaifer and the Gedeh But HaTedah. In the case of a person who says, He doesn't believe in the Gula HaSida. Because he, under, he explains, he interprets the Psukim in a different way, in, in a non-literal sense for example he says that the gulah will be a spiritual redemption you can't call him a keifer in Torah because he admits he accepts that what it says in Torah is true it's just that he says that the promise doesn't mean it literally it means it in a non-literal sense even if you're going to say that this goes against the rule that every Pasuk has to be first and foremost understood literally it's questionable whether we can call him a Kaifer just because he misinterpreted a Pasuk if he accepts that the Pasuk is from Hashem and he accepts that the Pasuk is is there and he just understands it in in a non-literal sense it's questionable whether we can call him a Kaifer for that reason but if you're going to say that the gullah is a necessary component of a mitzvah in but then if a person says that the gula is non-literal, how do you so Then he's changing the mitzvah from its literal understanding, from its literal from its literal in- implementation. The that is a that's for and then he goes on to the, the halachic classification of a badai, a rasa, and an So, in both things, you know, in, in Seif Hay, he brought, uh, sorry, in Seif Dalid, he brought the two examples, one of Haftochis and one of Sipuri Then in Haftochis um it's possible that they won't be fulfilled. And in Sipuri it's because it, it doesn't mean them literally. And the same thing, those two things he applies over here, the advantage of. Of the fact that the gula is part of a mitzvah. With regards to the fact that when it comes to the haftachas sagula, If someone says that the haftacha changed. He may not be a kaifer But if he says that the mitzvah changed. That makes him a kaifer and the same thing with regards to the understanding of, of, of the psukim. If a person understands it in a non-literal sense, it might not be a koefer. But if a person uh, 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 changes from the fact that it's a mitzvah, and it doesn't mean it literally, then he's a koefer, because he's being mitzi. So we're, we're basically done with the Miklat I mean, we're going to touch upon it in Siv Zion. But understanding the Uftu of the Ramam, we basically done here. The Ramam is coming in, in, in Halacha base to bring a whole new level of intensity to the problem of a t- person who doesn't believe in the Geula. Chas And he's saying that, if a per- that, that, that that not only are you being kaifer. Uh, but you're being, which is a whole nother level because the mitzvahs are they're forever and they are unchanging, and therefore the also is forever and unchanging. But once we've gone to this, to this, uh, on this, uh, guide on this path where the Ramam is trying to express the severity of someone who doesn't believe in, um, in. The coming of Mashiach, now we could go back to the previous Allah where it says Visham Niba and apply the same idea that, that that the Ramam is bringing in the idea of Navua to, to enhance, to exacerbate the severity of not believing in Mashiach. According to this, we can also explain another. Specification in the words of the Rambam. Mm When it comes to the Bilam he says over there he prophesized with regards to the two mishkim. We don't understand necessarily why does the Rambam have to say that it was said as a prophecy. And it's a big deichek to say, And it's a to say that, that, you know, it's difficult to say that because it's in Parashas Bilam, he has to say that it's for niba, that it was a prophecy, and therefore uh, verifying the veracity of the words. Saying it's true, because it's a nevoah. So it's it's difficult to say that that's the explanation. So <speaking in Hebrew> because since Shaparshes billam is written in Betiras Meisha, moving the it's understood that it's true. Everything that was written in Betiras Meisha is true. So it's obvious that it's true. So the question is, why does the Ramam have to say the words Visham Niba? <speaking in Hebrew> that it, these words Visham Niba, the Ramam is is telling us another interpretation. Another uh, level in the severity of someone who does not believe in Mashiach. Not only is he denying, He also is a kaifer, he also is a denier of the words of Nebuah. And he's going to explain to us now what is what is the, the severity of Nebuah, of being kaifer in Nebuah even though we find that the words of Teda are more stringent than the words of the Nevi'im, and therefore the Gemara says that you can't learn Teda from Nevi'im, we find a a, a stringency in the words of Nevi'im, with regards to the words of Teda, the punishment for someone who transgresses words of Teda is dependent on the, Category of the Avedah. If, if it's a bigger if or a smaller aveda there'll be different punishments for it. But if someone transgresses the words of a Navi, it doesn't matter in what area he transgressed. Even if he transgressed something that's permissible. The Navi said, don't eat this kosher of food. So even though the food was kosher, he wasn't going against A he was only going against the words of the navi. All in all cases, you get the same punishment, which is misvedeshamayim. Which, we see over here, a certain stringency with regards to nevuah that a person is over on the words of, of a navi, regardless of what it was that he did, receives this harsh punishment. and the reason for this is even though the strength of the words of Taida is much greater than the strength of the words of Navua. With regards to the human, from the human perspective, there is a certain severity with regards to the Navua. The Navua is what the Abishter is giving prophecy to the human being directly. This is information that is being, knowledge, that is being, coming from the Abishter, straight into the heart of the human being. <speaking in Hebrew> and since the Abishtar is revealing himself, his words, to the human being, <speaking in Hebrew> therefore the impact that it has on the human being, <speaking in Hebrew> it feels more, it feels stronger, it feels more impactful than the words of Teter. Therefore, when a person hears a command from a navi, as if he heard it directly from Hashem. it doesn't matter what the command is. If he transgresses that command, he is considered. He is considered that he's committing treason, which treason gets the death penalty, it doesn't matter in what area the treason was, a, a person who commits treason, gets the death penalty, so when a Yid transgresses words of taita which taita was conveyed through Moshe Rabbeinu, through this Canaan, through the neviim through the Gemara, through the Mishnah, through the Alacha, so a person could say, he transgressed, so depending on what the transgression was, he has to, he has to receive a punishment, when the Abishah speaks to a Navi, and the Navi gives it over to the person, then it's as if the person heard it directly from the Navi himself. Because the way the Abishah speaks to the Navi is the way you would speak to a person. Not the way you would speak to a Moshe Rabbeinu, or the way you would speak to a Torah. But you would speak to a person. And if you spoke, and therefore when the person receives it, he's receiving it from Hashem. And transgressing that is the worst thing in the world. Merida B'malchis. Treason. So from this we can understand that Generally speaking, even if there's even if he didn't actually transgress the words of the Navi because he didn't hear from the Navi, the very concept of Navua has this has this stringent uh, uh, level. Now we understand why the Ramam says the Ram is. To tell us that someone who does not believe in Mashiach is also transgressing the words of a Navi, which, in a certain sense, are even more stringent than the words of Tera. Consequently, so Bishalish Arayi Sehavi Aramam and the three Rais that Aramam brings. Milam Dei is teaching us that this concept of becoming of Mashiach is written and said to us in all the areas of Teda Shebik Sav heim bisipuri vavtaches ha-Teda kim ufura sheb parashat in the stories and the promises of Teda as is written in the parashat Nitzavim heim bin nivu sheb teeda in the prophecies of Teda kim ufura sheb parashat Bila mishav niba as it is written in parashat Bila or over the there there's a the prophecy about Mashiach veim mitsa sheb and also in the mitzvah sheb teeda kim ufura sheb as it is written clearly with regards to the mitzvah of Malakh Mashiach, chen does not believe in Mashiach. In addition to the fact that he is a denier of the Teda he's also denying the prophecy of Teda Sheu and he's also denying the mitzvahs of Teda in which mitzvahs are forever and ever. So we, we took this idea that the Ramam is trying to teach us the halacha of the severity of someone who does not believe in Mashiach, we took it to the next level, not only is it, 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 does it have the severity of not believing it, of being geireya, in mitzvah, mitzvah, of detracting from a mitzvah, but it also is going against a prophecy. The last thing we're going to discuss in of Zion is why was Mikla chosen out of all the mitzvahs of Tereh to be the one to give us this level of veracity of the geula, that it's part of the mitzvahs of Tereh. But my time Why is the is the is the idea of Mashiach specifically a detail in this mitzvah? Why in any other mitzvah? In other words, the whole purpose of it being part of a mitzvah is to teach us the Nitzchis Agula, the eternity and the permanence of the promise of the gula that is part of a mitzvah. And because a mitzvah is forever and unchanging, therefore the promise of the Gula is forever and unchanging. But why why are Why in any other mitzvah? We can answer as follows: In Yomos Ari Miklat the idea of the Ari Miklat or the cities of refuge was Malkim Smidav Agana Megel Adam was a place to protect and save the person from the Geyel Adam from the relative who wants to um, take revenge for the killing. The ear Miklat, when the person who killed inadvertently or even deliberately when he is in the ear Miklat in the city of refuge, no one can touch him. Just like there's this concept of refuge in space, that there's six cities or nine cities, where a person could be in a certain geographical space that'll save him from anything bad happening to him. There has to also be a refuge in time, an oasis in time where a person could be saved from negativity. And this refers to that time, the time of Mashiach. Moshiach. Muhammad won't be hunger nor war and there won't be jealousy or competition a person will find refuge from all of the negative things of the time of Galus and the Eden will be sitting assuredly on their land this is even this is practically speaking when Mashiach comes we're going to feel uh, saved from all of the negative things that are threatening us during Galus But the same thing applies Beruchnius. Even before Moshiach comes. The idea of the Arimiklat refers to the refuge that we get from the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah is called the Goyal Adam. The one who's trying to kill us. And the words of Tera are a refuge. And just like this the Arimiklat, the, 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 literally we're also a kapara. we're also an atonement for the person who killed, as as the Gimarachis brings in, the Thesis brings the Gemari Machis. Where he where the, he says over there that that one of the reasons he goes to Golis is for the Kapara. The the, 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 the when referring to him as a murderer is symbolized as someone who doesn't have to pay because through an Aveda he made a defect in his soul, in his life. But if a person learns tayah, he brings refuge and atonement to his to his neshama, to his soul. So there are three Nekudas over here. Number one the miklat is a, is, is a geographical location that saves him from something bad happening to him. There's also the idea of a, a miklat in time, which is the time of Mashiach. There's also a spiritual miklat, which is the miklat of learning Torah. When a yid learns Torah, he saves himself and receives atonement for doing an Aveda Now we understand the connection between the mitzvah of Ari Miklot, and the mitzvah of Mashiach and, and, and the belief of Mashiach, because when Mashiach comes, that will be the ultimate ir miklat, the ultimate completion of, this, of the refuge, and the atonement of Yidden, from everything that they experienced in Golos, from their Avedis, and from the negative things that tried to destroy them, and to distract them, may it be bim yameinu mamish, speedily in our days, and therefore, dafke ir miklat is the mitzvah that's chosen, to, to represent the eternity of the promise of the Geulah, Because when Mashiach comes, it will also be the culmination of the Klitah, the Kapora, the saving and the atonement of Yidin from the negativity of golos